Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 207. Today's topic is Bernie's Green New Deal Part 9. So we've been talking about Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal for eight episodes. It is important that we do this because we cannot leave policy to the politicians. We have to be conversant in policy. At least we have to know what policies we are asking for and why, because we can no longer, if we ever could, we can no longer trust the elected leaders to deliver to us the policies that we favor. So we have to know what we are going to demand from them and why. So that's why we're learning policy by reading through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And if you enjoy this content, you can find more of the same at theclimatereport.net. Now, let's go to Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. So we're partway through it because we've been doing this for eight episodes so far, now on number nine. And we're, we're dealing with transportation now. So a Green New Deal is going to deal with major categories such as food and transportation. We need to get our food differently from what we do now, and we need to do our transportation differently from what we do now. So paragraph 15 of my handy-dandy numbered version of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal is transportation, and it says, as President Bernie will, A, Fully electrify and decarbonize our transportation sector by doing the following things. B. Grants to purchase a new electric vehicle. C. Vehicle trade-in program. D. Electric vehicle charging infrastructure. E. School and transit buses. F. Replace all shipping trucks. G. Ensure the decarbonization of the transportation sector. And H. Build public transit that is affordable, accessible, fast, and resilient. I. Build regional high-speed rail. J. Retrofit dangerous fossil fuel infrastructure. So last time we were on paragraph uh, C, vehicle trade-in program. Let's go on to D, electric vehicle charging infrastructure. So as President Bernie will do these things. Uh, implement an electric vehicle charging infrastructure. In order to ensure that no one is ever stranded without the ability to charge their vehicle, we will spend $85.6 billion building a national electric vehicle charging infrastructure network similar to the gas stations and rest stops we have today. We will also ensure that new electric vehicle stations are open access and interoperable between all payment systems. Under our plan, drivers will no longer need to worry about where to charge their car or if they can pay for it. So one 
thing to note here is we're talking about an amount of money, $85.6 billion. Now, $85.6 billion is nothing in Washington, D.C. They spend $85.6 billion for breakfast. I'm not, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not by much. So you have the, the naysayers, you have the people who are what I call defenders of business as usual. So who are the defenders of business as usual? The defenders of business as usual are the media personalities, for example, or the politicians, the pundits and the politicians who are making quite a lot of money, thank you, under business as usual. The defenders of business as usual do not want another system. The defenders of business as usual are quite happy, thank you, in the system such as it is. So what they do is they get on TV and they pretend to express their concern about the cost of the Green New Deal. So, Bernie Sanders led with the cost, $16.3 trillion. Yes, it's going to cost a lot of money, $16.3 trillion. And it's like, okay, $16.3 trillion. Yes, it's going to cost something. $16.3 trillion is about what Washington, D.C. spends on the military in a decade. It doesn't take, it, it hardly even takes 10 years for Washington, D.C., to spend $16.3 trillion on the military, and arguably nothing should be spent on the military. Arguably, the military should be reduced by 90%. We spend more on the military than the next 10 countries combined, and these those countries aren't even our enemies. We don't have enemies except the ones we have created because we have not fought a war of offense, of defense, we have not fought a war of defense for 70 years. We have not fought a war of defense since 1945. We have a department of defense, but it's really a department of offense. So we spend over a trillion dollars a year. A trillion is a thousand billion. We spend over a trillion dollars a year on an a on a we spend over a trillion dollars a year on offensive wars it's highly immoral it's highly destructive it's highly dangerous for everyone it's dangerous for americans it's dangerous for people overseas who have to live on the wrong end of american guns and american bombs it's destructive of communities, it's destructive of families, it's destructive of human life. We leave uh, devastated communities and ecological devastation in our wake when we insist on going all around the world and bombing people into oblivion. We have a thousand military bases, upwards of 800 military bases, foreign military bases. We have 6,000 military bases in the United States as if we need all that. We have 6,000 military bases inside the United States as if we need 
those bases for any valid or legitimate purpose. So here Bernie Sanders is saying we're going to spend $85.6 billion building a national electric vehicle charging infrastructure network. So that's going to replace gas stations. Uh, in a few years, if, if we're able to implement the Green New Deal, and we absolutely have to, uh, in a few years, gas stations will be a thing of the past. Maybe you've seen these obsolete gas stations on the side of the road. They're kind of quaint. Well, there's going to be a lot more obsolete gas stations on the side of the road because we will be getting around in electric vehicles instead of internal combustion vehicles. Another thing it says here is that we, the, the, the electric vehicle stations are open access and interoperable between all payment systems. In other words, they are not going to have proprietary software that can be a way for, for some corporation to rob us all blind by overcharging us. We, it'll be open access. That'll mean nobody has a monopoly on our electric vehicle charging stations, and it will be interoperable between payment systems. In other words, there won't be any one corporation that has a monopoly on how you pay for the electricity that you need to charge your car says, under our plan, drivers will no longer need to worry about where to charge their car or if they can pay for it. Now, let's go to the next paragraph. So we're in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Hart Hagen's handy-dandy numbered version of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. So it, we're talking about transportation, and we're saying that here, here are the things here are the things that Bernie is going to do as part of the Green New Deal as it relates to transportation. Letter E, school and transit buses. We will provide $407 billion in grants for states to help school districts and transit agencies replace all school and transit buses with electric buses. The EPA classifies diesel exhaust as a probable human carcinogen, and this exhaust contains over 40 different chemicals and air pollutants that are classified as hazardous air pollutants under the Clean Air Act. Children on school buses are exposed to concentrations of these substances that can be 5 to 15 times higher than background levels, negatively impacting their health and performance in school. Once older buses are replaced with clean electric buses, school districts will save in fuel and maintenance costs over the life cycle of the bus. So there's a reason we still have buses that are powered by gas. There's a reason we still have gas-powered buses, and it has nothing to do with economics or practicality. We still have gas-powered buses because that's what 
makes money for the auto companies and the oil companies, especially the oil companies. Oil companies have tremendous amounts of power. We know that the oil companies have bought our government. So why would would we expect that oil companies are not retaining this situation where you have gas-powered cars all the time? Why would we think that oil companies are not able to buy our government such that we continue to have gas-powered buses all the time? And one effect of having gas-powered buses is that children are exposed to 5 to 15 times higher concentrations of substances. You know, exhaust, automobile exhaust, it says here, contains over 40 different chemicals and air pollutants. So why haven't we done something about this? uh, The EPA classifies diesel exhaust as a probable human carcinogen. So diesel exhaust, according to the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, is a probable human carcinogen. So why do we still have that? Why do we tolerate that? And that is because, for one of the reasons, is that uh, industry and the media have convinced us that we have to have a certain amount of toxicity, that we can't be purists, that there's going to be some pollution, and that's just the cost of progress. But pollution is not the cost of progress. Pollution is a social disease that results from the social disease of greed. Next paragraph, we will replace all shipping trucks. Because this nation depends heavily on goods that are shipped all over the country by truckers, we must ensure that they are able to keep up their pace while we meet our climate goals. That means we must spend $216 billion to replace all diesel tractor-trailer trucks with fast-charging and long-range electric trucks. Truck drivers from the largest fleets to small owner-operators will be able to access this funding. So there you have it. We're going to replace uh, internal combustion cars with electric vehicles. We're going to replace buses with electric buses. We're going to place trucks with electric trucks. It has a price tag. It is $216 billion. And the only reason anybody has a problem with that is when they are making quite a lot of money, thank you, in business as usual. The only reason that anybody has a problem with spending $216 billion is because they want the government to spend that $216 billion in their industry, even if their industry is making a lot of money at everyone else's expense. So we need to change the situation where industries and people and, you know, oligarchs, people with great concentrations of wealth, corporations with great concentrations of wealth, we need to change the situation where they are able to make a lot of money at our expense. Letter G, we will ensure the decarbonization of the transportation sector. 
When we are in the White House, let's talk about Bernie Sanders because we're going through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. When we are in the White House, the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Transportation will assist in the decarbonization of personal and commercial vehicles through regulation, enforcement, and technical assistance. President Trump weakened clean car mandates on auto manufacturing, which some manufacturers opposed. Our administration will work with schools, transit agencies, cities, states, and private companies to establish standards for auto manufacturing to be 100% sustainable by 2030. So this is talking about, this has a couple of different things going on here. One is the Environmental Protection Agency will be the regulatory body uh, along with the Department of Transportation to assist with the decarbonization of all personal and commercial vehicles as described above. So in addition to that, we will work with all of these companies to make the manufacturing, not just the operation of vehicles, but the manufacturing of vehicles, make it 100% sustainable by 2030. Because part of the problem with putting lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of electric vehicles on the road is the carbon footprint associated with their manufacture. So we, when we think of carbon footprint, we think of the carbon footprint of driving a vehicle. But there's also a carbon footprint and a pollution cost in the manufacture of vehicles. So Bernie is saying here, we're going to make sure that the manufacturer of automobiles is 100% sustainable by 2030. I don't know how complete how he's going to do that completely, but it's what he says here. Remember, this is just a politician talking, but I think Bernie Sanders is one of those rare politicians with integrity. So I believe uh, in the gist of this, even though I don't know some of the details. Letter H, we're going to build public transit that is affordable. Now, public transit, we're getting to public transit now. We've been talking about automobiles. We've been talking about uh, cars. We've been talking about buses. We've been talking about trucks. Now we're going to talk about public transit that is affordable, accessible, fast, and resilient. With a $300 billion investment, we will increase public transit ridership by 65% by 2030. So I think that is too small of a number. Increase public transit ridership by 65%. I think that is not nearly enough. I mean, we, we don't do very much public transportation as it is. I think we need to have 10 times as much uh, public ridership by 60 by 2030, 10 times, 20 times, something much greater than just a mere 65% increase, which is maybe a, a two thirds increase instead of we should have 10 or 20 times increase. But let's go with this. It says we will ensure that reliable, affordable public transit is accessible for seniors, people with disabilities and rural communities. So accessible and affordable. It should be free. I think public transit should be free. Uh, in addition to expanding transit service to communities, we will promote transit-oriented development to link this service to popular destinations and vital 
community services. For too long, government policy has encouraged long car commutes, congestion, and dangerous emissions. The Green New Deal will reverse these trends and create more livable, connected, and vibrant communities. So he's certainly right. For too long, government policy has encouraged long car commutes, congestion, and dangerous emissions. Look at, I mean, the prime example of that is the city of Los Angeles. When you think of Los Angeles, when you see pictures of Los Angeles, you, you some of those highways are freaking 20 lanes because Los Angeles was built at a time when they were destroying trains and buses and trolleys because that's what, because cars are what makes money for big oil and the big auto makers. But instead of doing that, government policy should encourage mass transit, should encourage accessible, should encourage vibrant communities. We want vibrant communities. We want people to not be spending all of their money on cars. We want people to not be spending all of their money on gasoline. We want people to not be spending all of their money on auto insurance. We want people to not be riding around in unsafe automobiles, but rather safe trains. We are under the mistaken impression that we have all these cars because it's just human nature to want to get in your car and go but it's not human nature. It is public policy. It is not the free market that has given us all these cars. It is not any sort of democratic process that has given us all these cars. It is government policy. And quite often, government is government policy is driven by the needs and the demands and the greed of big business. Too often, the society, in too many ways, the society that we have is shaped by the needs and demands and the greed of big business that needs to change. Next item, letter I. We will build regional high-speed rail. Now we're talking, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to build regional high-speed rail. It says, many other developed nations have advanced high-speed rail systems. A $607 billion investment in a regional high-speed rail system would complete the vision of the Obama administration to develop high-speed intercity rail in the United States. This new system will give travelers a meaningful, affordable alternative to plane or car travel between major cities. Now, this is what I've been talking about for a long time on the Climate Report. Why are cars and planes our primary mode of transportation? It has nothing to do with efficiency or convenience or what people want. It has everything to do with that which is profitable to oil companies, auto companies, plane manufacturers, and airlines. That is not a way to make decisions in a free country or in a free world.
continuing to read. The reason high-speed rail has not worked in the United States is because we have not built the political mobilization needed to demand the funding needed to complete this vision. That's what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with, I mean, the situation that we have now is not the result of a democratic process. It is the result of a process where big business calls the shots and we have to go with the flow. It says here, the reason high-speed rail has not worked in the United States is because we have not built the political mobilization needed to demand the funding needed to complete this vision. So, for example, the Koch brothers sunk a proposal for high-speed light rail in Nashville, Tennessee, my second home. I used to live in Nashville. I love it. Wonderful city. So Nashville wanted a high-speed rail. The mayor a light rail system the mayor was for it the business community was for it the population was for it but the um, Koch brothers came in with lots of funding with and with their manipulative practices their uh, astroturfing their fake grassroots campaign and they sunk the deal against the will of the people of Nashville against the will of the mayor of Nashville against the will of the business community of Nashville so that's called astroturfing. Some people would say it's democracy. No, it's not democracy. It's plutocracy. It is unfettered greed. It is, it is even, uh, you know, it's, it's a lust for murder, I would say. You know, there's murder, there's genocide, and then there's omnicide. Uh, the Koch brothers and other fossil fuel magnates know that climate change is real, but I'm not, I don't know what's in their hearts and minds, but I know that they don't, I know that they care about money and greed more than they care about what's actually good for actual people. That's why they sunk a proposal, an otherwise popular proposal. So, and that's what Bernie is saying here is because the reason high-speed rail has not worked in the United States is because we have not built the political mobilization needed to demand the funding needed to complete this vision. We need a political mobilization that is sufficient to overcome the obstructionism of big business. The last sentence that says, together we will create the movement needed to develop high-speed rail. So I've got a couple of minutes. Let me leave you with something to think about. So we have a choice here going forward. Are we going to build a society that is based on the needs and the interests and the concerns and opinions of the very many? Or are we going to build a society that is based on the needs, the interests, the concerns, and the opinions of the very few? Are we going to have a democracy? Or are we going to have a plutocracy? Are we going to have a government of, by, and for the people? Or are we going to have a government that is of, by, and for the very few, very rich? I think you'll agree with me that what we really want and need is a government that is of, by, and for the people, not a government that is of, by, and for the very rich. 
because a government of, by, and for the people will be much better at looking out for what we need instead of looking out for the needs and the interests of a very, very few. We have a homicidal, very few people that are in charge today, and that needs to change. When I say homicidal, I do so advisedly because the people at the top know that they are promulgating policies that kill a lot of people, but by all appearances, they don't care. That's why they have lost all legitimacy, and that's why they need to go. We need to have a changing of the guard. That's all we have time for. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Any questions, comments, or feedback, email info at theclimatereport.net. Have a great day.